hustle culture. Don't repeat some of us at the chat. This ain't that attitude. And view chapter five verses one through twelve. You see the beatitudes. The uh, and and Jesus started off each beatitude with blessed be da 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 da. Blessed be da 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 da. Blessed be da 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 da. That word blessed basically means happy is the person. Okay. Now, in this context, when we see the word blessing and inherit. Peter is saying that when somebody comes at you sideways and you don't fire back at them sideways, but you bless them with kindness, uh, that because you are called to this, what is being, what, what are we called to? We're called to what? Salvation. We're called to salvation. So what is that we may inherit a blessing? What is that inheritance uh, that we're supposed to get? Well, there are a couple of different ways to look at it. And I would say that as pastor teacher in this moment, that it means both of them. That first of all, you are going to inherit an eternal life. Okay. That you're going to inherit eternal life. That's one way of, of, of looking at a blessing. <clears throat> All right. Now, but here's the thing that, 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 that I want you to understand that when you bless someone evil for evil or insult for insult with kindness or with a blessing, with kindness, with a blessing, with generosity, with a blessing, Knowing that you're called to this salvation, that you may inherit a blessing. Because you are saved, you already have eternal life. So that is, check this out, a passive understanding that will one day be actualized when you die. So you got that. Okay, put that in your sack. What I think Peter is also trying to help us to understand is that when you do good for evil done towards you, God has a blessing for you in this life. That your right actions will produce blessings in this life. Okay. Now. Where, 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 where is that coming from, Pastor? Watch this. Look at verses 10 through 12. Look at verses 10 through 12 and notice how Peter runs down Psalm 34 verses, um, uh, um, verses 12 through 14 or 16 rather. He is saying that he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking lies. Now, what I want you to understand is that when we move in this manner, uh, understand that these blessings do not assume 
we will not have persecution. Believers can still be persecuted, but you can depend on God's blessing, whether it's spiritual or physical. All right, let's unpack verses 10 through 12. As, 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 as Paul is quoting Psalm 34. And Paul, not Paul, Peter rather, Peter wants us to understand that if you want a good life, watch how you use your tongue. And let's be honest, for a whole lot of us, our mouths get us in major trouble. Amen. Watch what you say. That tongue, that little rudder can put you on a dangerous course. All right. James like to James like to talk about how we put the bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us. And uh, the ship that's turned by that little rudder, he said, the tongue is like a fire, a world of iniquity. That tongue is dangerous. So we got to be very careful about tongues, about what we say. So he said, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And that word evil could refer to any type of speech that is displeasing God. Okay. Any type of speech that is displeasing God. Profanity, uh, slander, lies. And then he says deceit. That means deliberately tricking somebody or lying. So Peter was telling the early Christian, don't return insult for insult. Don't return evil for evil. And get rid of malice, deceit, and slander. All right. When we look at verse 11, he says, um, let him turn away from evil and do good. Your God honoring speech that then be accompanied by your action. So this is where your talk moves to action. All right. Let them seek peace and pursue it. Peace is more than the absence of conflict. If you're going to seek peace and pursue it, that means it is active, not a passive role. If you're going to be a peacemaker, you got to pursue peace. All right. When conflict arises, and this is what you got to understand about conflict, conflict is neither good nor bad. It's how you manage it. And a lot of folks don't know how to manage conflict. Because when conflict arises, peacemakers bring them into the open and deal with them before they become unmanageable. All right. So seek peace and pursue it. And then here is here here is a, a, a wonderful blessing for me. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to our prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 
God sees the difficulties and the persecutions of those who are righteous. There is nothing that is happening to you right now that is a surprise to God, that sneaks up on God, or that God did not see coming. Nothing. It's a surprise to us, but it's not a surprise to God. And God is big enough to sustain and to handle you and whatever comes your way. The eyes of God are on the righteous. Not only does God see you, but God hears you. God knows what you need. God hears you when you call out to God in prayer. God is keenly aware of what's going to empower you as far as your suffering moment is concerned. Okay? God's ears are open to your prayers. But here is the wonderful thing. But the face of the Lord are against those who do evil. These words right here, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, really is a signal from God that eventually imminent judgment will come. Not just God's disapproval, but God's wrath. Here's what I want you to understand. When you try to do some payback or have some get back with somebody who's doing you wrong in your life, when, when, when you try to exchange evil for evil, insult for insult, when you try to take somebody out on your own, uh, they have the capacity to maybe one day come back. But when the Lord deals with them, ain't no coming back. When the Lord subdues those who are evil, ain't no comeback. This is why you got to trust God to avenge the wrongs of those who suffer for his sake. That's why, G that's why we're told in the scriptures, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. All right. God has a way of handling your enemies that he would do one of two things that God will make either your enemy, your footstool or God would just wipe them off the face of the map so that you don't ever have to hear from them again. That's why you got to learn how to trust God to deal with folks who do you want. I, I know, I know, I know that they've been talking about you. I, I, I know um, uh, they brought, they, 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 they tried to kill you. I'm, I'm keenly aware of that, but you got to learn how to put them in the hands of the Lord. I, I know it's easier said than done. Because I've been guilty of trying to have some get back and pay back. Keenly aware of what that looks like. I'm keenly aware 
of how that feels. But I'm also a living witness that when I tried to get do some get back, they came back. But when I put folks in the hand of the Lord, God fixed it real good. Let's look at verses 13 uh, and let's finish up this, this section. And as we finish up uh, this section, uh, hopefully and prayerfully, it, it will bless us. Now, Peter wants us to understand, even when you want to do right, even when you live according to the word of God, even when you treat people right, persecution can still come. Suffering moments can still happen. Okay. Your right living does not mean you won't experience trouble. Do I have a witness out there? Okay. Your, your right living does not mean that every now and then you won't have to go through something. All right. So, so here is Peter explaining to those who follow Jesus that when persecution come, because, you know, these are people who are young in the faith. He, he is explaining to the believer how to live in an evil world in the face of persecution. Now, Peter says that usually it's a lot wiser for believers to do what is good and to follow the authority and laws so they won't be persecuted unnecessarily. Peter was not indicating that if the believers lived well, that they would escape persecution or ill treatment. He's already stated that you can do good and still suffer. All right. And, and, and usually if you if you try to obey the law and you're careful, um, nothing is going to happen to you. But. Let me drop this on you. Persecution comes for a variety of reasons. It occurs in spite of your desire to be peaceful, in spite of your desire to do good, in spite of your desire to treat people with kindness. You can treat people with kindness and still be persecuted. And I, I, I know it doesn't seem right. It ain't right. It's not the way it should be. But guess what? Suffering happens. <laughs> Persecution comes for a variety of reasons. A lot of the Christians that were persecuted, a lot of the martyrs that were persecuted were doing what God would have for them to do. They were moral. They were lawful. But they still suffered. The atmosphere at that time was so charged with suspicion and hostility toward the disciples um, that it did not matter what good they did, persecution still came. So Peter is saying, listen, even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats nor trouble. 
If you as a believer are living right and you stand be, still are being persecuted, nobody is going to be able to change the promises that God has for you. Look, 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 look at this. Look at this. Look at this. But even if you suffer for righteousness sake, you're blessed. You know what that word blessed means here? That word blessed means, and I know it's so unfortunate we live in such a society where certain words have now taken on a negative connotation, but I'm going to reclaim this word for the time that is ours. You are highly privileged. I'm reclaiming privilege. I'm reclaiming privilege. You are highly privileged. That word blessed, you are blessed, does not mean you're happy. What Peter is saying, you are highly privileged. That God's got something special for you. That the promises of God towards you cannot be changed because you're being persecuted. That you can't be harmed spiritually when you're being persecuted. Right? Because that word blessed means you're highly privileged. You are favored. Yeah. 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 Sometimes suffering is a form of God's favor towards you. <gasps> oh, wow. Well, you mean you mean tell me that 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 being favored means sometimes I may have to suffer. Yep. Yep. I know. The word favor has been corrupted. Let me let me one of the most favorite persons in scripture was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Remember when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, Mary, you are blessed and highly favored. You shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be of the Holy Spirit. Mary, you are blessed and highly favored. Mary being favored highly meant that Mary had to endure scorn because she's an unwed mother. Mary was almost dropped by her fiance, Joseph, because she was blessed and highly favored. Mary had to deal with the fact that even when Jesus was growing up, that there were whispers throughout the area about she and his birth circumstances. She was blessed and highly favored. Her being blessed and highly favored meant that she was one of the most brokenhearted women in all of creation. Sometimes when you, a lot of times when you, when you suffer for the sake of righteousness, it may be a sign that you are highly favored. I know folks don't want to hear that. But when you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. You are highly favored. You are highly privileged. Let me, let me, let me, let me get on. And, and and Peter says, don't be afraid of their threats. Here, here's what I want you to understand. 
when you are suffering for the sake of righteousness, people's threats are empty because they cannot harm you eternally. They cannot shake up your foundation. They cannot disturb on which you are grounded. When instead of fearing your enemies, we as Christians are to put our trust wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ. Knowing that ultimately God is in control. This this is what I really want to impress upon you because Peter gives us the antidote for dealing with fear. He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense. He gives us the antidote for for, um, uh, dealing with fear. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. That's what the word sanctify means in verse 15. Set apart your, set apart. Peter saw stuff that some of the other disciples didn't see. He saw Jesus in his glory on Mount Hermon, or better known as Mount Transfiguration. He saw the resurrected Christ. He, he, he knew that Jesus Christ was the embodiment of God in the flesh. When you know and love Jesus Christ, opposition and persecution has no control over us. Okay. We must love Jesus with all our heart in order to do this. Guess what we must do? We must regard Jesus's claim to all we possess our desire. We got to place our future totally in the hands of Jesus for safekeeping. We got to regard the teachings of Jesus as superior to all earthly wisdom. We got to obey Jesus and let him control our conduct. And we got to set aside our personal agenda when we're asked to do his service. That's how you sanctify your heart. He says, sanctify your heart, be ready to give a defense. The word defense here is basically what is meant by apologetic. In in other words, when we talk about the concept of apology or defense, It basically means that you and I need to be able to tell others why we serve Jesus, why we love Jesus, why we follow Jesus without beating them over the head. That's what apologetic means. Apologetic, check this out, is not in your some of this brash in your face tactics that we see some people doing that really turns people off from the Christian faith. All right. It is you having a testimony, that's it, for the reason that you follow Jesus. It is you having a testimony for the reason that you have hope. It it, it is you having 
a testimony because guess what? When you as a believer are persecuted for your faith because unbelievers would have no charges to bring against you except to question your faith, that they will see something different about you. And when unbelievers see something about you, even in a hostile situation, you can witness for Jesus Christ. Guess who did that quite well? Stephen, one of the first deacons, did that quite well as he was being stoned. And Paul was holding the clothes of the stoners. He knew there was something different about Stephen because Stephen opened up uh, his eyes and he saw Jesus standing up uh, at the seat of the throne. He knew there was something different about him. He saw how Stephen died. He saw how the apostles handled uh, hostility that was coming their way. Now I'm getting ready to drop this on you because this is getting ready to be some good stuff. All Christians, all of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ need to be ready and able to reasonably defend why we serve God, why we love God. You need to be able to clearly explain your reason for being a Christian. Now, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Your faith, even though it is a personal matter, is not a private affair. I think I just said something. Your faith is personal, but it ain't meant to be private. Your relationship with God through Jesus Christ is personal, but it's not meant to be private. We should not be boisterous. And we should not be obnoxious in sharing our faith, but we should always be ready to give an answer with a sense of gentleness and respectfully about why we follow Jesus, our Christian perspective, and our words and our manner should align with our lifestyle. How, how can you and I do that or prepare ourselves for defense, prepare ourselves uh, to let others know about who Jesus Christ is. You, first of all, you don't need to be, be some deep theologian or Bible scholar. Okay. What you do need to do is, and I think I issued this challenge some 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 weeks ago, but I and I issue it now. Take 15 minutes to 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 do this. 15 minutes to spend time in prayer and reading your Bible every day. Review the promises of God. That, that'll help you explain. So pray. Make praising God a daily practice. Focus on the power, the glory, the righteousness of God that fortifies you to be courageous. Be conversational in your defense. Be you. Be you. All right. Um, find the clues about aspects of your life that help you to explain God's good news for you. For, so, for example, if you are an electrician, talk about how uh, God is like the light of the world. If you are a nurse, talk about how God has healing in his wings. All right. Respond with care. Okay. 
Just be nice. Just be nice. Let me say that one more time. Just be nice. And then listen to your audience. See where they're coming from. Listen with your head and your heart. Find out what burdens them. Okay. And then frame your words at the level that they will understand. In other words, if you are a PhD and someone ain't never been to school, don't talk to them as a PhD using a whole bunch of big words that you know they may not know. Okay. Speak plainly. Let me go ahead and wrap this up. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. All Peter is saying is let your words match your actions so that even when people try to uh, talk about you, they don't have anything to stand on. Unbelievers have consciousness too. But we as believers ought to guard our morality and actions to show people that we've been transformed by God so that when they see us, they can't say, but, oh, you got so-and-so, so-and-so. We have to be very careful about that. All right. Just being Christian, they're going to find something to slander your name about. But you got to make sure that they don't have evidence to um, slander your name with as far as bad actions are concerned. I sum up verse 17. He said, for it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. That's self-explanatory. That's self-explanatory. If you're going to suffer, suffer for doing good and not for something wrong you've done. Let's be honest. A lot of times that we suffer, it's not for doing right. It's for doing something we ain't having no business doing. <laughs> but then there are those of us who suffer because we try to do the right thing. We try to do the will of God and we still suffer. And, and Peter is saying, if you're going to suffer, it is best for you to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And why does he say that? Guess what? We're going to talk about that the next time we come together because Jesus suffered for doing good. And when Jesus suffered for doing good and when we suffer for doing good, then basically we, we fall in the same trail as our Lord and Savior. Amen. I hope and pray that that this lesson today has 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 been a blessing to you. Um, we will not have Bible study next week. I want to encourage you to join us Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday nights at seven o'clock for our March Gladness Revival. We have some of God's most gifted preachers that will be blessing us as far as the word of God is concerned. Uh, my friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Charles Goodman. Um, we also have uh, my wonderful sister, Dr. Gina Stewart, and my big brother, Dr. Maurice Watson. They will be joining us 
as far as revival is concerned next week at seven o'clock. So we want you to share with us, uh, share uh, those services with your uh, friends and others, invite them to come. We're going to start at seven o'clock. Guess what? You don't have to get ready to come to church. All you got to do is just log in and you're at church. We're going to be here live with singing and prayer, and they're going to be here with a word from you. So I'm looking so forward to them joining us. We got some of God's most gifted preachers that are going to bless us with March gladness. I don't know about anybody else, but I, as your pastor, I need a word from the Lord, and I want to hear them be a blessing to us. So check out March Gladness next week, uh, 7 o'clock, uh, when, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, they're going to bless you in a tremendous way. Amen. Amen. Also, uh, as we get ready to close out in prayer, um, I, I got a call on behalf of Reverend Brenda Richardson, our minister of Christian education. She had to have emergency surgery this week. And um, I, I, I want to thank St. Paul because you all are just such a loving, compassionate, caring, gracious congregation. And I love you all. She loves you all. Uh, however, um, when worry got out about her having that surgery, she was inundated with phone calls and text messages. She needs to get her rest. She's going to be out of commission for a few weeks. She needs to get her rest. So I want to say to the St. Paul clan, to the St. Paul tribe, uh, to St. Paul family, do me a favor. Uh, pray for her. Uh, don't 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 stop praying for her, but back up on the phone calls and the text messages uh, because she wants to answer each call and and respond to each text message. But she definitely needs her rest. So give her the space to to, to do that. And uh, I know that she will greatly, greatly appreciate it. Amen. Amen. But listen, um, I can't wait to come back together and uh, talk about uh, the suffering of Jesus Christ and his righteousness in his suffering. So we're going to cover that. So I want you to read uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 18 through the end of that chapter. It's going to be very, very rich, and we'll probably roll over into chapter 4 uh, as well, because I think that's one uh, collective unit. Uh, but you can also read part of chapter 4 as well. That being said, uh, I want to close out as far as uh, a time of prayer is concerned. And um, um, and as we prepare to go, I just want to also uh, thank each and every one of you and give you the opportunity that if you have been blessed by this time of study, that you have the wonderful opportunity to give. Uh, you can give here at St. Paul uh, through three major ways. The first one is by bringing your check or cash to the church dropping it off, um, call the church to make sure someone is here uh, so that you can drop off your check, cash, or money order, or you can mail it to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205. You can also give through our website, uh, through ACS or Church Life, or you can give through the app called Givelify. And so uh, if you feel led to give, I want you to know that your giving is going to be a blessing to a whole lot of people. Uh, last week, we fed uh, 240 families through our food pantry. 
And so uh, we continue to be a blessing to others. We continue to use our space for the community. And I want to thank you for that. So as we close out, as far as this time of study is concerned, uh, let's go to the Lord in a closing prayer. God, we thank you that you have the capacity to vindicate us when we're done wrong for the sake of who you are. And Lord, you have the wonderful grace to forgive us when we uh, are done wrong because of the wrong we have done. And so, Lord, uh, if we want, if we're going to suffer, let us let it be for the sake of righteousness. Uh, God, as we come right now, we want to thank you uh, for each and every person that is uh, engaged with us at this moment. Bless their families. Uh, we pray, oh God, that they will get uh, a teaching that will help them become what you would desire for them to be. As we leave from this call, but never from your presence, keep us in your sovereign care until we're able to come back together again. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we close out, just remember, for those of you all who had your shots, as far as the vaccine is concerned, your first shot on February the 13th, your second shot is this Saturday, March 13th, from 8 o'clock a.m. to 2.30 p.m., in the parking lot. Uh, Walk-ins will be for those who are in the neighborhood and those that are in our apartment buildings. But for everybody else, uh, you will drive through to get your shot. So I wanted to make sure I remind you of that as well. All right, listen, uh, St. Paul and family and friends, I love you all, miss you all, dearly. We're one day closer to coming back in. And uh, I can't wait to one day see you all collectively uh, in worship and in study. God bless, have a smile upon you, take care.